0: This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swann and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Good to see you today. It's been fun worshiping with you already. Does my heart well. If you're a visitor, we welcome you here today. If you need a Bible, why not you get your hand up real high. I really encourage you to get the Word of God in your hand today one way or another. Um, not only a heavy dosage of the Bible today, the heavy dosage of the truth today, so just just a warning before we get rolling, you better put your seatbelt on, okay? because it's going it's gonna touch some things today that I believe will will help you spiritually. Again, I'm not here to win a popularity contest. I'm here to preach the word of God. So go with me the book of Hebrews chapter three, Hebrews chapter three, and you'll begin to see the heart that that God's really been moving me in. Areas that just keep moving me up. And so, God's desire always has been for one generation to pass the blessings of God onto the next generation. But that doesn't just happen, okay? That only happens when you have people that want to obey the Word of God and live for God. And so, one of the illustrations I'll use just briefly as you're turning to Hebrews 3 is... Through King David, he said to Solomon, he said, The Lord will be with you, and the Lord will bless you, and the Lord will take care of you as long as you live with a steadfast commitment to God and His Word. And so the byproduct of obeying the Word of God is the blessings of God. So here this morning we'll give you some verses that I believe will really help you. We're going to be on this this week and next week, okay? Hebrews 3, verse 12. Beware, brethren, believers. Now, think about that right there. He's talking to believers immediately. He says, Beware, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Now, he's talking to believers again, so this is a strong warning to believers. There's going to be a possibility... From us to depart from the things of God. And it becomes an unbelieving heart. Now watch how this begins to transpire here. But exhort one another daily. Day after day after day. He, he said exhort. That word exhort means to warn each other daily. While it is called today. Least any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. So what you see here is unbelief is caused by a hard heart. And a hard heart is caused by the deceitfulness of sin. And the end result is that is we leave the things of God. Now this must be very, very possible for the warnings that go in here. So again, when it, when it comes to the deceitfulness of sin, it's almost like the writer here is saying, don't kid yourself. You start dabbling in sin, get ready. Now, watch how he ends this in in verse number 14. For we have become partakers, participants, associates, companions of Christ. If. Now, my Bible, if you were to come up here and look at it, that word if has got a circle around it, and it's highlighted in orange. Orange. A strong emphasis on if. If we hold the beginning of our confidence, how we got born again. That first love, that first day that you got born again, how you were so stirred up in God. He said, if we hold fast, the beginning of our confidence, steadfast to the end. So now through this passage you begin to see that Christianity is a day-by-day ordeal. And I I can't quit. I can't give up. I I can't stop the very foundational principles that took place when I got born again. Now, this is a strong warning for brethren. Now, through the course of the morning, you're going to see how this passage begins to play for every one of us. So something happens when I just stay around the people of God. I stay in church. I stay in the word of God. I ask God's grace to live for me. And understand this, that as an adult, if you drift from the things of God, which is a strong warning here, it won't just affect you, it's going to affect your children. So there's a lot more to this than just me. And when I just live for just me, I am selfish, okay? And so the Word of God today, oh, it's going to be rich and good. But get ready. Go to the book of Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah chapter 61. Now, as, as you're turning there, I, I love people, all right? My goal here is never to beat people up, but we must present the truth. We cannot back away from the truth. And what what I find out, the the older I get, the more I gravitate toward the truth. I mean, I I don't do you a favor, any favors, without telling you the truth. And the truth of the truth is this, that you don't do your children any favor without telling them the truth. Isaiah 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He's consecrated me to someone or something. To preach the good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty or freedom to the captives. And the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Now, Jesus, he quoted this also in Luke 4. And when, Luke, or, or when Jesus quoted this in Luke 4, it was as if he was handing this off to the church. This becomes the same mission as the church. This is what we're about, okay? Verse 2. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance for our God, were to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion. To give beauty for ashes. Now what that literally means, it, it means to give roses for past hurts and failed dreams. How many of you in here got some past hurts and some failed dreams? Probably every one of us. And he said, one of our jobs is to exchange beauty for ashes. Keep reading. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And the spirit of heaviness refers to discouragement. Now, I I don't ask for a show of hands right here. But how many of you in here are discouraged today? Just discouraged with life. Every one of us have that opportunity probably frequently to live with discouragement. But he gives the remedy for it. He says, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So guess what he said? It, it was like a robe that you, you put on yourself. And when discouragement starts come, something happens if I praise the Lord. Even when I don't feel like it. But when I just actually obey the word of God and I praise God. Man, that discouragement lifts when you begin to remind yourself of what God's done for you. King David would do that. He would put on the ephod or the garment of praise, and it said he would build himself up in the Lord. Here's my paraphrased edition of that. I double dog dare you. Just start praising the Lord even when you don't feel like it. Now watch God move in your life because what happens, it shifts the the light off of your discouragement and it puts it on how big our God is. That they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that they may be glorified. Verse 4. And they shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations. They shall repair the ruined cities. Now listen to this. The desolations or the devastations of many generations. So now, as he used the three R's there, and he said specifically, rebuild, raise up, and repair the things of our generations, the tendencies, the patterns, the behaviors, the familiar spirits of our generations that has tried to tear our lives down and he said something here that we could do and if you'll note every time before the 3r's he said they they shall rebuild they shall raise up and they shall repair this is god's heart god doesn't want our generations torn down But again, this doesn't just happen. So he puts us in there and he says, they. So with God's grace and God's assistance, God will begin to move in every one of our lives. His desire is to bless. It's always been to bless. You shall raise up. Now, go with me to the first part of the Bible, to the book of Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18. And in this passage, it will begin to show us how we can go ahead and watch Isaiah 61, verse 4, come to pass. So, as you're turning to Genesis 18, this is a passage about, and I'm going to call him a man of God because he was a man of God. And at this time in his life, he lived in a region that was incredibly wicked and sinful. A region called Sodom and Gomorrah. But what I begin to find out about this man named Abraham, even though he was surrounded by ungodly people, he didn't allow his culture or the environment that was around him to shape him and mold him. He said, I won't compromise. I won't give in with the things of God. So watch how we, we learn from this. Genesis 18, verse 16. Then the men rose from there, and they looked toward Sodom, and Abraham went with them to send them on their way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm doing? Now, to help us understand this, the Lord said, I can't hide from Abraham what I'm about to do. What was he about to do? The sin of, of Sodom and Gomorrah had become so bad and blatant, one translation says flagrant, that God said, I'm going to destroy it. I'm going to wipe them out. Now it's interesting, it's just, it's just Genesis that fell on the floor. That's you need a new Bible. No, no, we can't do that. So what begins to take place here, I believe this will help you right now. God said, I want to partner with this man named Abraham. God still partners with human beings on this earth. Human beings that live for him, that he can trust. And he said, I can't do this without letting him know what's going to take place. And so when I read this here, don't ever underestimate the value or the power of one. That one just may be you. Ecclesiastes 4.19 says this, two are better than one. The Bible's very clear, one will put a thousand to flee, two will put ten thousand. And so even in this situation, this whole region is wicked and ungodly, but God stands up and says, there's my boy right there. God still does that. God still uses men and women on this earth who are sold out and committed to rebuild and repair. Verse 18. Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the, the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. You know what you see right there? Because of one man, there was generational blessings that would begin to take place. I highlight that because God only needs one. One in a family, one in a bloodline that says, I'm going to live godly, even in an ungodly world. So he looks to this man named Abraham, and and you begin to see some things that, that God would look at a man, but the question arose to me, Why would God look to this man? Watch this. This is incredible. Verse 19. For I have known him, I have known Abraham in order that he may command his children and his household after him. Now think about what he just said. That he may command his children and his household after him. He didn't say that he may suggest or recommend. It says he may command his household after him. So the way a man's morals are revealed to his children and his household is by what he teaches them and how he lives. So now, we are the ones to command our household and our children. And not are we only commanding them and teach them the things of God, but we get to model it. Pay close attention to these words right here. That they keep the way of the Lord. This was what he was supposed to command them, to keep the way of the Lord. So your job and my job is to teach our family members the way of the Lord. I'm not called to be their friend. That doesn't mean I don't love them. I'm called to teach them the things of God. Why? God wanted the blessings to keep flowing. And God knew if they don't teach their offspring the things of God and model it before them, then it won't happen. So guess what? If you get up on Sunday mornings, and Sunday mornings isn't a real big deal to you, it probably won't be a real big deal to your children. And if you get up on Sunday mornings and say, you need to get your little rear to church with your mom, but you stay at home and watch the NFL, then you've been quite a model, okay? Man, Pastor, you are preaching good. I am. This is why the Lord said He's my boy, because he wouldn't back off. This this does you no good for me not to teach the Word of God, okay? If I do not teach you the Word of God, i failed in God's eyes. So now you're getting some of my heart. Pastor, has God scolded you? God hasn't just scolded me. God has rebuked me and said, you do not use this platform as a form of entertainment. I didn't call you to be Jimmy Fallon and make them laugh. If you want to laugh, watch Jimmy Fallon. If you want to get fed the word of God, then come to church. He said to keep the way of the Lord, to do. To do. Not to talk about, but to actually to do righteousness and justice even when it wasn't popular. Verse 20, and the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is so very grave. So was he telling us the failure of the people of Sodom and Gomorrah was a direct result because they wouldn't command their children and their household after the things of God? I believe it was. I believe they quit teaching not only themselves living the commandment, but they quit teaching it. They quit instructing their children. Verse 21. And God said, I will go down now and see and check it out, whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against this has come to me, and if not, I will know. So he says, I'm going to go and check it out. I'm going to go and see if they're as wicked as the reports are coming to me. And the way he would know would be the way they would repent and turn from their sins or persist in their sins. And so you see twice in verse 20 and 21, it says the outcry against them was huge. God loves the sinner, but he's a just God that will punish sin. He did it back then, and He'll do it to this day. And so when you begin to look at this, ask yourself the question. How many people in the region of Sodom and Gomorrah at one time knew God and even served God? I believe the majority of them did at one time. But they quit honoring God and quit teaching the things of God, even To their children. Now listen real close to what I'm going to say. Abraham knew what God was planning to do. And Abraham begins to intervene. On not only the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. But specifically a nephew named Lot. What I begin to find out about this is here. If I don't speak the truth in people's life. It does them no good. And silence. Silence is consent. When you don't say nothing, a lot of times it's viewed as, well, it must be okay. And so what we must understand here today, no sin, no habit, anything in your life is too difficult for God's grace and God's power to overcome. But I must obey God. In order to confront your children and your household. Now you can tweet this out, okay? It takes a backbone, not a wishbone. God says specifically to those he loves, he corrects. So again, as a parent, I'm to correct. You're to correct. And you may not be the most popular person in your household, this guy wasn't all very popular within the whole region. So he goes in and tries to convince them all, you got to serve God. He begins to tell them these things, but we know the end result. How many of them in that whole region made it? Four walked out, but only three made it. He didn't back off from telling them the truth. And so something happens when we tell our children the truth. When you get the truth. Now go with me to the book of Matthew chapter 7. And I'm just telling you as you turn here. Get ready. This may be a wake up call. And I do it. Just because of the heart of God right now. See when Jesus comes back. And Jesus is going to come back. There's no doubt in my mind he's coming back. But he's not coming back for a lukewarm church. And he's not coming back for a church that fornicates with the world. Wow. Matthew 7. And I'll start in verse 21. And when you get there, note who's speaking here it's the Lord Jesus, it's red letter words. And so Jesus is the one that's identifying the people in this passage. Verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall come or enter into the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Let me read that again. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Now if you'll notice there, Jesus duplicates the word Lord. And he didn't duplicate it because he lost his train of thought. He duplicated it because it's an emphasis. So we have a church in America that we have convinced people over and over again, all you have to do is say this prayer one time and confess Jesus is Lord of your life and you're in. You confess Him as Lord, and then you can live however you want, and He's good with it. Now, I believe in saying that this was to a degree what was happening in Sodom and Gomorrah. I believe a lot of those people thought, I'm good with God, I got it. Notes Jesus' words. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven, Now Jesus, he he doesn't say anything totally against uh, calling him Lord. That's part of it, confessing him as Lord. But that's not the end when he says, but he who actually does the will of God. I believe in reading this right here, that these are church-going people that confess Jesus as Lord. The reason I say that? is there was many years in my life before I gave my heart to Jesus that I lived like the devil. And I remember going out to the bars and I remember partying. And I don't ever remember one time going out with all my buddies and saying, Hey, let's go to the bar tonight and let's all confess Jesus is Lord. So to me it becomes very clear here, he's addressing church folk. This is where the church has gotten off, I believe, guys. So he goes on to say in verse 22. Many. Many. We know biblically that the Bible or even history repeats itself. It'll say statements like this. As it was in the days of Noah, so it'll be in the second coming of man. So we go back to the days of Noah. The whole earth is flooded because of sin. How many people made it that day? Eight. And as it was in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, how many people made it? Three. And so now Jesus himself uses the word many. And he said, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, there it is again. He emphasizes the word Lord. They're calling me Lord. And and he goes on to say, Have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name? Have we not done many wonders in your name? So now he gets over to something incredible. First he says, We've confessed him as Lord. Now he says, You've prophesied in my name. You've cast out devils in my name. You've done many wonders in my name. And Jesus is not downplaying this right here. What he's telling us is literally these are biblical characteristics of someone who's given their heart to Jesus. We should not put up with the devil. We should lay hands on the sick in Jesus' name. We should do those things. So what's the issue? Verse 23. And then I will declare to them... I never knew you. That's cross reference to 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 19 and it says let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Now we go back to what he said in verse 22 many many and here he comes back and says and then I will declare to them I never knew you why Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So here's what he's talking about here. That word lawlessness means wicked. It means disregarding my commandments. So guess what he begins to illustrate here. There's people that will come to church that have confessed Jesus as Lord of their life. There's people who've come to church that will lay hands on you in the name of Jesus, but in their private life... They've never turned from sin. And I'm I'm not talking about stumbling ever now and then. I'm talking about habitual sin that they're okay with. Ooh, pastor, this is heavy. It is because I know the outcome. It was the same as in Noah's days and it was the same in Abraham's days this began to move me incredibly. And I hear the Lord day after day saying, you do them no good unless you tell them the truth. It may offend them, and it may look like they're mad at you, but they're not mad at you. They're mad at my word. You want the truth? You can't handle the truth. If I was to go backwards in Matthew 7, verse 20, the Lord Jesus said, They'll know you by your fruit. He didn't say they'll know you by what you confess. They'll know you by how you pray for people. No, he said they'll know you by your fruit. So I look at this and I think is there lawlessness in my life? Are you addicted to sin? See, when I go back and I look at the very verse, verse uh, we read there in, in Matthew 7 21, when he said, Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, and he said, Depart from me, I never knew you. All that phrase. Was Jesus here describing what we would call a counterfeit salvation? You know what a counterfeit salvation is? You think it's real. You think it's authentic, but it's not. Now, this happened to me not long ago. I go to pay a bill, and I put two $20 bills on the counter. And he's the young man, and he takes those $20 bills, and he looks up to the light. And then he throws them down and looks at me and goes, those aren't real. And I said, yeah, right, buddy. I did. I looked, I said, yeah, right. And he goes, I'm serious. Well, when he said he was serious, I looked at him and I said, how do you know that? And he said, I can tell by the texture and there's a few marks on here. And he said, how many more of those you got in your wallet? And I said, two. And then I thought, I hope he doesn't think I'm the one passing these. And I realized, oh my goodness. And he said, I know you didn't do it. And you know what he said? He said, it's easy to pass 20s and 10s and 5s. Most people overlook them. Because they don't think there's any value. But he said, even with you, he said, you thought it was authentic, didn't you? And I said, I did. I thought it was real. See, that's the same thing the Lord Jesus tells us. That there will be many within the church who have the thought, I'm saved because I said this prayer, when in reality you're not saved. The way I'm saved is when I give my heart to Jesus and I say, Lord, through your grace, I don't want to live that way anymore. And it's interesting that Jesus said to the lame man who had been lame for 38 years, this is John 5, 14, he said, depart and sin no more. So how do I look at sin? Do I look at sin as optional or do I look at sin as mandatory? So when I began to look at this, I thought, oh Lord, you've got to help us. Here's the truth of the matter with all this. The deceitfulness of sin, Hebrews 3, causes me to depart from the things of God. When I live in habitual sin, my heart goes hard. Is your heart hard right now? And then the next thing in this is, your choices not only affect you, they affect the generations behind you, and if you look and you say, <sniffs> "You blow off your children," which you can, you know what? You need a letter jacket with a big O S on it, not for stupid, but that one would qualify, but for selfish. You brought those little blessings in into the world. And so what are you going to do to say, I want you in heaven. I want you to serve God. And so your job is to teach them. Thank you. You guys are a lot more excited than the first service. I wasn't real popular in the first service. You know what I realized? Who cares? I just got to preach you guys the truth of the word of God. And you guys know more. I love every one of you. But I don't ever want anyone to look at me. I, I don't want to get to heaven and all this be over and Joel look at me. Uh, 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 Philip look at me. Uncle Ben look at me. He's a new uncle. <laughs> Russell to look at me and say, you had a wishbone, Pastor. You didn't have a backbone. So again now, what do I do with the truth today? Man, I've happened to open the filing cabinets of my heart and say, Lord, I want to live for you. I want to live for you. And when I blow it, I, I repent with the sincerity that says, Father God, I don't want to do that anymore. I need your grace. See, again, God's design is blessing. I, I don't know if you ever do this, but I, I allow God to put me in the Bible into those stories. Can you imagine the day after what happened with Sodom and Gomorrah? What Abraham did? I don't believe he cheered. I don't believe he said, "You suckers got what you deserve." I believe he was broken-hearted to know this was people's eternal destination. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubick.com.